Lord, I particularly pray for Tim. I thank you um, for him and the way that you have used him and continue to do so. And Lord, I really pray now that we would uh, be placing the words that you want us to hear on this time and that we would be able to take something away and challenge and refresh in our relationship with you. In your name, Amen. Amen. If you've got a, a Bible handy, hopefully you were greeted warmly on the door. Uh, so we're on, we're on page 1031, 1031. Uh, just while you're finding that, we're um, concluding uh, our little series in September, a kind of welcome back series if you were away over the summer, or, or welcome if you are new or visiting. Uh, we have these four kind of pillars of the church that um, just kind of in essence sum up who we are and what it is to be a member of St. Diana's Church. Um, get connected, get involved, get giving and get out there. And, and today I'm addressing get out there. Um, but uh, if you missed last week, I haven't got one to handle it, just in the white pot over there, by the tap and go, or the way in which you can give on a regular basis uh, just over and above your, your planned giving on the tap and go machine there, but in that white pot are some parish giving scheme forms, they're like a sort of direct debit form. We, we would love to encourage you as part of your giving, which is as part of your worship of God, to uh, prayerfully consider giving on a regular basis. It, it makes it so helpful for us to budget for all the ministry and mission that we want to do as a church. Um, and the more we, we kind of, we've kind of got cost base pretty much covered of boring things like insurance and uh, all that stuff. So additional giving or increased giving from those who count themselves members of us here, go towards ministry and mission, go towards the stuff that we would all really like to give our money towards and see grow and, and flourish. So that's, uh, that's get giving. Get involved, is, God got involved with us, so if we're gonna live like God, let's get involved in each other's lives and in the life of the community. Uh, and we'll do that by connecting ostensibly through uh, a life group or a midweek group, a triplet or, or some other uh, meeting, intentional meeting with uh, another member of the church. So those are our kind of givens as a church. But, but today, get out there. Uh, as Jesus got out from the security of heaven to live amongst us and then commanded us as, uh, on our out there banner, uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Get, get out there. So let's see what happened when the uh, early church was, um, the, the Christian church was, was born effectively. Uh, in Acts 1. I'm going to read Acts 1, 1 to 8, and then I'm going to just flip over to chapter 2 and read the first four verses, and then uh, verses 14 and 15 to, to give a little bit of context for what I want to say. In my former book, Theophilus, this is Luke writing to, obviously, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he'd chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just over the page on the day of Pentecost, just a few days later. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them which caused an element of confusion for the bystanders. And so, verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes then from the prophet Joel, and indeed from various other Old Testament texts, all pointing toward the fact that God in Christ, in Jesus Christ, was rescuing his people from the darkness and futility of sin. Uh, he himself paid the price for our sin on the cross. And when he cried, it's finished. Crucified, dead, buried, then raised again, vindicating victory. Uh, death itself defeated. And it's through the crucified and risen Jesus Christ, that we have new relationship with God the Father. Uh, we find new meaning and purpose in our lives. That's effectively what Peter preached in that sermon. And 3,000 were added to their number that day, and the church mushroomed into brand new life from there. The church got out there. They'd actually been hiding in an upper room for fear. And uh, that transformative infilling of the Spirit meant they went out and got out there. It's, it's a given of all Christian living. It's good that we gather here this evening as, as Christians. We come together to um, kind of worship God together. I'm not musical at all, so I need to rely on those musically gifted brothers and sisters who can lead us so that I can give expression to my heart and worship. Um, I'm being trained to um, kind of dig into the Bible, so I guess my job is to kind of help to feed you. We, we, and we say, well, what do you think of that man? Yeah, if we go to the pub afterwards, well, what do you think? And we kind of tease you and we work it in our lives so that together, when we gather together, it, it's good. But we weren't, we weren't created to meet in little holy huddles like this. Just as ships or boats weren't, weren't made to sit in a harbour or in a dock. It's good every now and then for a ship to be docked. In fact, I would say every now and then it's vital. They get repaired, restored, replenished. But ships are created to sail. And we are created to be out there. So it, it's great to be here. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's good and important that we meet on Sunday and midweek and at other times. But I say it's vital that we meet together on a regular basis. But, but we were actually created by God, filled by the power of His Spirit, to bring His salt and light, His truth and grace, His generosity, His goodness, the message of His love, to all those that you rub shoulders with um, this time tomorrow and during the week, wherever you'll be on a Thursday morning. I, I believe God intends you to be 
present where that is. It might be a place of work, you might be uh, at a gym, you might be on a walk somewhere, you could be at the photocopier, you could be in the queue for the coffee. Wherever, with whomever, get out there. Now, our mission statement is, um, as a church, we, we intend to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. And it's just a recognition that we're not always going to be here. We'll be doing the growing bit so that you can live for Jesus. You can represent <coughs> Jesus, be, as the Bible calls it, his ambassador, wherever you find yourself during the week. So our, our aim here is to grow mission-minded disciples, people who are willing to get out there, who will live for Jesus wherever they are. So Jesus called us to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, I want to come back and say a little bit more about that. Verse 8 of chapter 1. Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the message to them there then. It makes sense geographically to them 2,000 years ago then. What does that mean for us today? We're working backwards to the ends of the earth. Actually, what an extraordinary age we live in with the technology that we have. It means that actually we, we can. I mean, doubtless some of you have been sort of tuning into podcasts from preachers in America or um, the Far East. Uh, I know people who just you, you know, tune in to, to Christian teaching all around the world. Uh, um, we, could, we could message people, we can be in touch with people all around the world. I know this schoolgirl who goes to the Rising Hells of Sweden, a uh, 16 year old schoolgirl, Greta Thunberg. You've probably all heard of her too. <laughs> the main reason why I know about her, I, wouldn't have done, I, wouldn't have, I don't think I'd have heard of her. Who would have known about her? Her equivalent 20, 30 years ago. But she's, she's able to surf modern technology with her message and her passion, the environment and so on, and it chimes in with various other things going on. So we, we all know her message. So, so when Jesus says, get out there, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, that's, that's not an impossible thought, is it? God may well be, I mean, I'd mention that just because, who knows, God may well be stirring a thought or sowing a seed in your skill and ability. You may be just positioned right with a particular passion to actually communicate God's love to the ends of the world. And also to Judea and Samaria. Judea was um, the, the area, these guys are, you see from verse 11, uh, the, when the uh, angel addresses them, men of Galilee, um, and if, you, if I had a map, I'd be able to show you, kind of look it up. Galilee is in the north of the kind of Jesus region, if you put it like that. And uh, so these guys were northerners, but it was part of Judea. Um, so they, Judea would be the familiar places. You'd be witnesses in, in well, just in your, your work, as opposed to someone else's office or someone else's um, neighborhood. Just the places you know well and the people you know well. You, you took in witnesses in the familiar places. But also in Samaria. And you probably know that, forgive me if I'm sort of assuming knowledge here, but the, the Samaritans to God-fearing Jews, they were the they were the kind, you know, they were the real social outcasts. You did not associate with Samaritans as a history that I won't go into. But they're the kind of equivalent today of people who um, got rich through ill-gotten gains, shall we say. Maybe they're tax evaders. 
Or, or maybe even worse, maybe they're sort of child molesters or, or, or traffickers. Interesting. Jesus is saying, you'll be able to witnesses to people who you tend to associate in that bracket. You've got to go to the people that aren't like you in, in the most extreme ways. You, you will have to overcome your prejudice. You, you know the story that Jesus told about the, well, the Bible calls it, perhaps misleadingly, the Good Samaritan. By the way, Jesus didn't call it that story, but we put that edit in. I'm not sure it's entirely helpful. Do you, do you know the story I mean? He, the guy gets, yeah, no, it's okay. So the guy gets attacked and, and the priest uh, walks by on the outside and the Levi walks by on the outside and then a third guy comes along and he's a Samaritan and he helps him. And Jesus says, well, who do you think is the neighbour of this guy? And they all go, well, the, the guy who helped him. So they can't even bring themselves to say the Samaritan. And Jesus says, well, go and do the same. It, it's not that we think, well, the Good Samaritan, so that's a story about being good. No, no it isn't. Um, but yes, the Samaritan helped him, but it was the Samaritan. It's in, as soon as if we tell the story today, that the, the um, child molester came and was really kind and helpful. And, and oh God, because I've, I've, I've automatically just shunned those people. But Jesus is saying, You'll be my witnesses to Samaritans, to people that you're prejudiced against. That's a story not about being good, it's a story about overcoming your prejudice. So you'll be my witnesses to the easy places and the nice people, Judea, but also my witnesses where it's a little bit more challenging, where people are different from you, and where you've maybe allowed prejudice to build up. You're going to have to knock that work, that prejudice down in order for you to witness effectively to people who deserve my love, no less. First century Samaritans, this century, where you, you fill in your own blanks. Who is the Lord? maybe gently convicting you about someone you kind of avoid or you've put in a box or you, you don't go there with them. You will be my witnesses. Jesus never promised that the Christian life was going to be comfortable. Sometimes he pushes us to the edge of our comfort zones. And it's there, actually, that we find he uses us in a kind of our weakness or when we're risking or when we feel slightly out of our depth. That's when God's power overcomes. You'll be filled with power by the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses. To the ends of the earth, to Judea, Samaria, uh, and Jerusalem. Just before I come on to, to Jerusalem, just that bit on, on witnesses. Because what Peter does is, um, you, you, and we know just a quick rehearsal on Peter, kind of, uh, I, I, he gets a slightly bad press, I, I think. But he's, he, you know, he's the kind of rash guy, oh yeah, Lord, we'll follow you anywhere. And then he denies him three times. You know, it's it kind of, um, yeah, sort of checkered story, isn't it, through the, through the Gospels. But there he is, um, bold enough. He's the one, bold enough to stand up. And he sees it. As the Spirit comes, all the pieces lock together. This, this Jesus, and earlier on I said, you're the Christ, the, the Son of the living God. He, he does see it, but then he denies him. And, and now the Spirit fills him, and yeah, I am convinced. He goes on to say later on in Acts 2, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised and made both Lord and Saviour. He sees it. J Jerusalem for Peter is his place of encounter. It's where I think he truly encounters God. I see it. Where it was a little bit blurred, a little bit grainy, boom, crystal clear vision. I, I, I see who Jesus is. So much so that he stands up, everybody, shut up, be quiet. There were thousands there, 3,000, I don't know, tens of thousands there. 
And he stands up, let me explain this to you. And he, and he goes through and explains. And Peter, in a sense, adopts the role of um, evangelist. An evangelist, I think, one of the gifts we looked at it the other day, one of the, the kind of ministries, is someone just gifted, passionate, and, and able to explain the good news of Jesus Christ persuasively. In a way that you know, they, they would want to persuade you to take the, the facts uh, and, and see them for yourselves. To, to make a commitment to Jesus Christ himself on the basis of what the evangelists are sure of. They're the persuader. I often think in a, um, a sort of analogy of, a, of, a, of a, an evangelist is like a barrister in court. The barrister is the one who takes all the facts, takes the witness statements, establishes as much as he can... And then the, uh, the barrister, he or she, is the one charged with persuading the jury to come to a decision that favours whichever way he's, he's arguing, either to let the defendant off or to, uh, to secure their guilt and sentence them. So the evangelist is the one who takes all the information and persuades. And I want to recognise just not everyone, some of us here are, are kind of natural evangelists. We've, we've, we've seen who Jesus is and we, we want to sort of pay that forward. We want to persuade others to see Jesus the way we do. Don't you see? He's not just any old man. He's not just an ordinary, he's not a good teacher. He's more than that. Do you not see it? Let me try and persuade you. The evangelist, like the barrister in court. But not everyone, I don't think everyone is called or gifted or passionate about evangelism. Not everyone's necessarily called to be an evangelist, but just before you sit back and relax. <laughs> Verse 8, and, and we take this through the apostles, and the apostles' teaching this comes to us, therefore to all of us, you, us, we, here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. We may not all be evangelists, barristers, but we can all be witnesses. In, and again, in that analogy, the court of law, all the witness is required to do is to say what he or she has seen. You, you witnessed, you saw whatever it was. You saw the event. Tell me what you saw. Don't tell me what you, you think might have happened before. Don't tell me what you think happened after when you weren't there. I don't want conjecture. The barrister doesn't want opinion. Don't tell me, don't surmise. That's my job. You just tell me what you saw. And a good barrister should elicit from a witness. Witness saint, I witness saint, just tell me what you saw. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. He's not asking us to be evangelists. We don't have to persuade people unless God is hitting you that way and calling you into that, that ministry and that role. But he is expecting that every single one of us will witness to what we ourselves see and know of Jesus. For some of us, that will be years of experience of Christian living. And for some of us, we're, we're not yet sure. That's fine. We're still thinking it through. That's why we, we run Alpha on a regular basis. as an opportunity for you to, to come and, and sort of see for yourself. I wonder, is, is this Christian faith something I can lean into? Is Jesus someone I can trust? Centre my life around. But, but it's fine if you're, you're questioning. But you can still be a witness. Someone bumps into you in the, in the lunch queue at work and they get up to the weekend. Uh, what are you doing on Sunday? I was just, just trying to contact you. Well, I, I went to, I went to this um, you know, 
Sorry? Well, I went to Sorry, say it again. Church. I went to church. Church! And there's your opportunity to, to witness. Well, I mean, I, forgive me if I'm being a little bit presumptuous about you. Yeah, they seem quite nice. Uh, and, you know, it kind of means this guy gave a talk, it seemed to make sense. I was talking to some people after, they seemed almost as nice as me. I, I said, uh, uh, yeah, and, and, and I have to say, I've been thinking about this God thing. There's quite a lot of people believe in God in one way, shape, or form. I, I don't know, I've got, oh, just sort of skin and bone, is there something about it? I find myself wondering. That's, if that's all you can say, that's wonderful. That's a witness statement. Because it gets them thinking. It sows seeds in their mind. Because they're thinking you're normal and nice. And you're thinking this. Interesting. Don't, don't say what you can't say. But I think this passage is saying, say, be prepared to say what you can. You will be my witnesses. And if you've, if you've encountered the Lord Jesus Christ in one way, shape or form, if you know something of his love for you, that's, that that guilt and shame has been washed away as he wore it on the cross on our behalf, as he took the penalty of our sin in order that we might walk free, as he was stripped naked so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. And if you, you know something of that, it makes sense in your head, and you experience the release, the life, the peace in your heart, then you can speak to that. You can be his witness. To the ends of the earth, to Judea, Samaria, or Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the, the home, if you like, the place of encounter for, for, for Peter. Jerusalem was where he, ah, he saw Jesus. And he, he witnessed as an evangelist there and then. So we can be witnesses to Jesus wherever we are, every single one of us. Witnesses to Jesus wherever we are. But what I want to do, just the sort of second half of my my um, offering this evening, is to come just bring you up to speed a little bit with some of the thinking we were doing yesterday. Those of us who gathered as as kind of core leaders of the church, I had the, had the staff team, the PCC, and life group leaders, uh, and we were here kind of just thinking through um, what it is, if you like, to to witness to Jesus Christ at home. So I feel like it's getting out there here. Uh, I'm particularly thinking about when we move back uh, into the building in just a few weeks' time. We're gonna, we haven't got some um, uh, funky screens, as Ruth's already pointed out, so I'm, I'm going to revert to the good old flip chart. I'd say I'm completely slightly nostalgic as we're actually using pen and paper. Uh, yeah, I just want to offer some reflections, um, which may or may may not directly affect every single one of us, but well, they, they, will, they will indirectly impact us. As, as a church body, we engage with um, that new building in the heart of the community. And, and so I'm thinking here about how we can get out there, right here. So not the ends of the earth, not, not Judea and Samaria, your places of work, your offices, the familiar places and the, and the challenging people. But, but right here in this building with the footfall that goes past every single day of every single week, uh, of every single season, every single year. Here's, uh, here's what we sort of observe. Um, it, it, we, we were kind of talking, these sort of small groups and so on, we were talking about the fact that we tend subconsciously to be quite sort of um, kind of possessive 
and territorial about our lives. In a very, in a, in a, in a good, uh, it's it kind of affirming and sort of owning way. So we talk, for example, about, oh, um, I've, uh, oh you, you must go to my hairdresser. So I think, he, and what we say, they'll be greater than the barber or hairdresser sometime, they know how I have my hair. So, so we, we put a possessive adjective around it. We, we don't just go, I'm going to the hairdresser. We say, oh, yeah, you must try my Uh, but that, that's the entrance. 
there onto to the green and, and the local community. Uh, and this bit here, this is this is this is the association they're making. Well, I'll, I'll give it this proper name, the sort of churchy name, which is the nave. And that's where the kind of we would say we, we worship and fellowship and gather together. That's the religious bit. So that happens here. This bit here is the you'll see it on, on the tenth and onwards. No, we're, we're going to be able to get in a bit before actually, so we'll see it a bit before. Uh, that's the sort of bricked in arch which we've knocked through and glazed with this switchable glass so it's, it's, it can be opaque so you can't quite see it through it, but the light comes through, you just press a button and it goes translucent. And so what we've done is effectively created this, this area here that's within the main, that, that is within the sort of main external threshold, but it doesn't commit you to the religious bit. We've, we've created this kind of neutral space here. And we were talking a lot about, about this uh, as a leadership team yesterday. Uh, this is where we can get out there at home. This is where we can get out there in Jerusalem. This is kind of our place of encounter. I'd love to think that a, a number of you, if you've been here coming a little while, you, you've had a sort of aha moment with the Lord, maybe through the worship, some teaching, a conversation. You, you've encountered God in a new or fresh way, maybe even for the first time on an alpha course or something like that. So this is your place of encounter. This is your Jerusalem. And, and here's, here's how, as a church together, or as individuals within it, we can get out there to meet people who don't yet know the Lord, who wouldn't consider the, the church as my church, our church, somewhere I belong. We're talking about this being a space where, for example, in the end, well, yeah, Colin came the other day, um, one of our last leaders, he testified that he comes regularly to the 830 service. He is a world-renowned photographer, Colin Thomas, Google him afterwards. Uh, and so what if we had a photo exhibition of some of his work? Or some of the local artists, there's loads around here. What if we just had a, we just put them up in this area, it's a plenty of wall space. So we just had um, displays there. And they said, oh, let's go and see the display in, oh, what should we call it? Should we call it the church? Or if I'm going to something that I enjoy, it might, and I sort of, maybe I go to the display in our church. There's the, there's the dream. There's, there's what we're aiming for. You come, come and be. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to come in here. But if they come here, they cross the threshold. And, and because of this, this translucent screen now, they can sneak in. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe, maybe oh, I should put in, sorry. Here's the fully fitted kitchen. <laughs> That's the baby. Because we're brewing coffee there, aren't we? And then you can sit up on top of the stairs up there so you can tell There's stuff going around here and they look at it and go, they see. Can, am I allowed? Yeah. Am I allowed? <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Open the door. In they come. You see what's happening? Someone that on the boots fell back. It's brilliant. They said here that the, the, the sort of um, movement going on here is anyone welcome. Anyone, anyone. We, we, we're so we're desperate that on the November the tenth, anyone can come. I know it's it's awkward. We've had to really wrestle around producing invites because an invite implies that, it belong, that this space belongs to it's us to invite, and therefore you're the invitees. I mean, ah, how do we get around that? There kind of isn't any way around that other than just to perpetuate the message: just come, just come. You're welcome. Doesn't cost anything. Just come. Nosy around. Come for five minutes and sneak out. We're not taking a name. We're not all that. Just come. We'd love 
anyone to come in here. And the vision is that in, in this space here, this kind of space that is adjacent to the local community and the religious space, in this adjacent space, they begin to imagine themselves feeling at home as they look at the art exhibition or as they chat to our front of house. We're interviewing for a front of house role, it's kind of perceptions, but it's, it's, it's more than that. Uh, it's much more than that, because actually what the front of house will be responsible for doing is, is kind of hosting this space and, and, and making sure the vibe is welcoming and, and warm and inclusive. And so that people who venture through the first threshold here, they, they, they think, oh, they, be, they begin to feel sort of at home, in inverted commas. That's why maybe they begin to use this kind of language, even at that, that church space. Oh, I'm just going to pop into our church and pick up a leaflet of that, whatever it might be. Find out when the next da da da. And, and, and ultimately, we hope that the transition is from anyone coming in to beginning to feel at home to to, to explore in the Christian faith. And so they pick up an alpha leaf at then tree because they've got to know a few of you. And that's where you come in. Just at the end of a, an evening event, so it might be part of the sort of combined life groups that we're going to do, or you'd be part of an alpha course here, or it's maybe a men's event, or a women's event, or a messy church we're hoping to, to run for all ages. And just as we're milling around here and stepping out to the exit, we encounter people who are also around and intrigued. And because we're biblical Christians, we're, we're mindful of that verse from 1 Peter about always being ready for the hope that you have, always ready to give an answer. We're ready to witness. And so maybe it's just a comment or uh, something in a conversation that intrigues them enough that as they've been the anyone coming in, they now feel a little bit at home. They're willing to explore for themselves this faith that you and I are exploring and, and, uh, and living for. Get out there. Um, you'll be my witnesses, Jesus says, when you're filled with the Spirit so that you can witness to the goodness of God the ends of the earth. That's another sermon for another time. Or Judea, Samaria, or in Jerusalem, the place of encounter. The lineage says, as we're about to celebrate its opening in just a few weeks' time.